You're listening to Nursing Review Radio. Intimate partner violence in older cohorts tends to fall between the cracks and its frequency is largely unknown as most research excludes older age groups. These were some of the points raised by South Eastern Sydney Local Health District's Aged Care Psychiatry Service following its Domestic Violence and Older People Forum on Wednesday. I'm joined by Associate Professor Chanika Widjaratni, a psychiatrist with the Aged Care Psychiatry Service, to find out more about the topic. Thank you for joining me, Chanika. Thank you. Why did the Aged Care Psychiatry Service decide to host an event on intimate partner violence towards people aged over 65? So the reason we decided to hold this seminar was that uh, over the past two to three years, we've noticed uh, quite a number of uh, cases of older patients presenting to our service, um, both in the community and um, to the inpatient service, uh, where where, uh, intimate uh, partner violence was uh, involved. Um, And I guess that was a little bit surprising to us because the common assumption was that um, this sort of behaviour burns out with age. So uh, clearly it's not the case. So, and, I, and I guess the, the reason why we might be seeing these cases is quite simple, that people are, are living longer. Um, so the reason, so you know, in light of these uh, cases, we, uh, we were keen to, uh, I, I guess, investigate further in terms of uh, what, kind of, uh, you know, what kind of psychiatric and perhaps uh, medical or cognitive problems drive uh, this sort of behaviour. And um, I guess also the other reason for calling it was to uh, really uh, liaise with other um, other professionals, you know, such as uh, police, uh, lawyers, uh, people involved in domestic violence services, uh, to, just to help us uh, improve the management of uh, the, these cases. You said the characteristics and implications of domestic yes. violence in older people are very different to other cohorts due yes. to age-specific issues that, that an older victim must contend with, such as frailty, social isolation, and, and potentially yep. being a carer for a perpetrator of domestic violence. That's right, how, yeah. how might these differences affect the way clinicians or community workers should approach intimate partner violence? Right. So, I mean, uh, I mean, I guess that's a very broad question. But I mean, just to go back to the the point. Um, mm-hmm. So, I think if you look at um, any number of the uh, publications about, about domestic violence, they most of them highlight particular um, minority groups, as I, I guess, or special interest groups, as the case may be, uh, in in, in uh, considering domestic violence. You know, these are, for instance. Um, indigenous people, people from a, a culturally and linguistically diverse background, uh, you know, people living um, in rural and remote areas, for instance, but or, or with disabilities. But none of these publications really say anything at all about um, older people. So we believe that um, there are eight specific challenges for domestic violence in uh, in, in older people. And as you said, um, you know, these include fact that uh, people have t- tend to have multiple physical illnesses they're often frail and their self-care may be impaired um, and similarly the other problems include you know th- reduced social network we know that uh, often these older people have been sub- subject to um, domestic violence for a number of decades which in itself is a risk factor for social isolation but I guess as people get older and their social network um, they be- themselves uh, become sick or pass away, then their isolation uh, is accentuated. So they're, they're kind of the, they're just a few of the uh, eight specific challenges. Um, the other challenge, I guess, is with regard to couples that um, 
you know, we may have uh, couples who've um, have long, you know, who've lived in a long-standing domestic violence relationship, and um, it, it may, and, and eventually one of the partners may develop uh, dementia. For instance, um, the perpetrator, and um, you know, caring for the perpetrator there may be, you know, obviously raises a number of issues there for the uh, for the for the victim. The first point I'd make for the for the healthcare professional is to really have a high index of suspicion for it. I think traditionally, um, and I think this was the case with child abuse going back maybe 50 years. We didn't believe that uh, children could be abused, but I think similarly we need a, a change in paradigm that uh, you know we need to be aware that you know older people can be perpetrators of violence against. Uh, other older people, and and this may have been the case for quite some time. So I think that's the first change we need to make in our own understanding of this condition that 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 it is possible. Um, um, so and, and I think also people, you know, professionals need to be aware that we're dealing with a cohort of older people um, who may not necessarily perceive domestic violence to be a problem, because um, remember they come from a uh, particular time in in our culture where um, you know violence within a marriage was you know relatively accepted shall we say um, it, it was um, th there were no there was no legislation as we have now um, against uh, both elder abuse and domestic violence um, you know there, there weren't the resources such as um, domestic violence services um, etc. Uh, for this cohort, uh, you know, to be aware of this as a problem. So, uh, and, and secondly, um, they may underreport it uh, for for those reasons. So, uh, uh, the, the the older cohort professionals now see may not view domestic violence to be the kind of issue or problem that younger cohorts do. So that's the first thing. I think professionals also need to be aware that um, that. What can very easily be explained away, you know, something like a bruise or a black eye that could easily be explained away as a fall or the sign of frailty may in fact be uh, the result of violence, uh, which may include, um, you know, intimate partner violence. You said domestic violence perpetrated by an older person requires clinicians and families to consider a different narrative to yes. that predominant in elder abuse. Yes. What, what is that narrative? So people, uh, I think uh, most professionals uh, would be very aware of what elder abuse is. So elder abuse we define as acts of omission or commission resulting in psychological, physical, financial or sexual harm to an older person. Um, and that's typically perpetrated by a person in a position of trust. So the, the paradigm of elder abuse is that, you know, it, it, it's a, essentially a stereotype which views the older person as vulnerable and frail and uh, and these are characteristics which are perceived to be intrinsic to older age. And secondly, uh, the elder is generally, in elder abuse, the older person is generally prey to a younger aggressor. So, for instance, we know that uh, in half, these, half the case of elder abuse, it's an adult child, a, a son or a daughter, who's the, who's the perpetrator of elder abuse. Now, as I said earlier, that paradigm of elder abuse, you know, we view the elder as vulnerable and frail. So um, I think that the difference here in... Um, uh, domestic violence is that um, you know is to recognise that older people can be perpetrators as well as victims of domestic violence, and in fact there may actually be a long history of violence between uh, you know between the couple. Um, 
So, you know, from that, I think you'd see that it's a very different paradigm. What more needs to be done to, to improve the recognition and management of, of intimate partner violence of older people? Look, I think, I think as with a lot of these issues, it's, uh, you know, it's education, for it, obviously. You know, I guess we've been surprised at the, the lack of information out there on this, um, on this issue, which is obviously part of the reason we uh, set up the seminar today. Um, so I guess things like our seminar go, and, and your article or podcast go some way towards, you know, kind of addressing that kind of, you know, that, that, that lack of knowledge out there. So I think it's something that, you know, the whole, you know, we, everyone in health needs to have ownership of. So, you know, right from general practitioners, so obviously GPs see uh, a, a lot of older patients and I think they need to be aware of the, the possibility of not only elder abuse but domestic violence. <laughs> Um, the College of Rural Australasian College of GP certainly has guidelines on both elder abuse and domestic violence. But you know, like most guidelines, the problem is that um, domestic violence in older people can fall, between, fall in the gap between elder abuse and domestic violence in general. Um, so obviously, GPs need to be aware of it. Uh, emergency department workers need to be aware of it. Uh, similarly, people working in residential aged care facilities. Um, so, and it needs a whole of health response. So, so the other point I would make is that um, it's important to emphasise that it's not just the victim that we treat. So, there's a lot of domestic violence services that have been set up to support victims, which obviously extremely important. But um, uh, you know, it appears that you know we know far less about. And sorry, backtracking a bit, we know a lot about the consequences of domestic violence in in victims, but uh, one of the things that we tried to highlight today was uh, the importance of determining, you know, what drives perpetrators to um, engage in domestic violence and uh, also the importance of treating perpetrators of domestic violence. There's a lot of research on victims of domestic violence, so we know that they're, uh, you know, they're at risk of things like anxiety, depression, um, you know, poorer physical outcomes, um, health, uh, chronic pain, I should say. Uh, but there's not so much uh, research or uh, papers written on perpetrators of domestic violence. So in terms of domestic violence in older people, um, I think there are two two broad patterns that we see. So we see, uh, we, we see domestic violence, which is really domestic violence grown old, meaning that um, there's been evidence of domestic violence over many years. You know, there, there's studies suggesting that the average is about 40 years. Um, and these are typically perpetrated by now whilst women can be perpetrators, of course the um, um, majority of perpetrators are men, and in these cases of domestic violence grown old the, per, uh, the perpetrator tends to be a man uh, you know with a personality uh, vulnerability or personality disorder, typically uh, someone with control you know controlling behavior of the course of the relationship. Um, Often with associated alcohol abuse, um, and so they're the kind of uh, you know, pathology we're looking for in, in those cases. The second type of domestic violence is so-called late-onset domestic violence. So these are cases where there's no past history of domestic violence. Um, so they're really appearing for the first time in in late life. Um, and the pattern we notice here is that the perpetrator. Uh, may uh, may have a uh, 
may, may experience dementia. So we know that uh, uh, memory impairment or cognitive impairment in dementia is just really the tip of the iceberg and that uh, dementia is often complicated by um, you know, psychiatric and behavioral symptoms such as aggression or agitation. Um, so, you know, and obviously that, if that aggression is um, uh, directed towards a partner, that, you know, by definition is domestic violence. Uh, and that, in fact, is probably another reason for the under-recognition as well, because uh, these cases tend to be um, considered just cases of dementia, meaning that we believe that it's the neurodegeneration or the brain damage that the person experiences that uh, contributes to the domestic violence. But in fact, um, you know, there may also be something about the uh, pre-existing relationship um, between uh, the couple that might drive this behavior, uh, even if there has been no previous domestic violence per se. Uh, and the other kind of pathology we see in these late onset cases is uh, psychosis. And the, the commonest type of psychosis we, we see is uh, 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 you know, the perpetrator who has what we call uh, delusional jealousy. Now, what that refers to is uh, the person's belief that the partner is having uh, an extramarital affair. And it's, uh, you know, by definition being delusion, it's out of keeping reality and not in keeping with the evidence against it. What are some of the key things that you hope clinicians and community workers who attended the, the forum took away with them? What, what do you hope they, they think about moving forward? Yeah, so quite a number. Well, as I said earlier, certainly the first thing is that, you know, to, um, to be on the lookout or to be aware that domestic violence uh, can occur in, 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 in late life. That's the first take-home message. Um, I guess the second message is to be aware of the management strategies that uh, that we would try. So I think, as I said earlier, that traditionally um, the services have been focused on the victims of domestic violence. So I think people are pretty familiar with those. Um, but so what we were trying, hoping to get across today was, in, in addition, being aware that being aware of the importance of treating the perpetrator of domestic violence and um, having some understanding of how treatment would. Treatment of the perpetrator would proceed um, in, um, you know, in light of the of underlying uh, psychiatric uh, illness in the perpetrator. Thank you for joining me, Chanika. All right, thank you.